Women Taking the Lead, bonus episode. Maybe we feel let down by somebody. Maybe we feel very self-righteous. Maybe we feel despair. To name those emotions is a really quick way to calm your brain down. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead. Today, I have a special bonus episode for you. I have Deb Elbon with me, and she and I met at the Maine Women's Conference a couple months ago, and we didn't have a lot of time to chat at the conference because, as you can imagine, it was a very busy day. There was a lot going on, but with the power of technology, we were able to get together on a Zoom call afterwards, got to chatting, and I thought, yes, this is somebody who I would love to bring on the podcast to talk to you, and you're going to know why in just a moment. So Deb, introduce yourself to everybody. Let them know who you are in the world and the work that you're up to. Sure. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm a coach. I'm a coach. I call myself a career coach and an executive coach. And really the bottom line is I help people think effectively in whatever it is they're approaching in their life. And I work with a lot of women who want to build their leadership skills build confidence, build communication, and really take on challenges to create something awesome. Now, when you say challenges, what are some of the challenges that your clients like want to sign themselves up for? Because I'm all about that. So, (laughs) And anyone who's been listening to this podcast knows I'm all about challenges, but I'm curious what your clients are coming to you with. Yeah, I know. Great. A number of different things. I'd say people who are in career transition have a few typical challenges. A lot of times women want to build their confidence because we know if you're looking for your next job or you're looking for what next, you need to be confident. You need to portray yourself in a really confident way where you own your story and you own your strengths and your accomplishments. And for some people and some women, that's hard to do just because they don't have a lot of practice doing that. That's one thing I do a lot of. And then along with that, it might be building your confidence specifically for interviewing or for networking, or creating a networking plan about how to do it, how to meet people, and what your goals might be through networking. When I work with leaders and executives, companies hire me, and people hire me to work with them on developing their leadership skills. And I'd say it's similar. It's about really building your presence and your leadership, um, feeling like you have what it takes to lead other people and to do it really successfully and confidently. Awesome. And you also have a pretty unique approach because I think we can all relate. I think most women, you know, I hear them say, ugh, I hate talking about myself. You know, so the whole voice and story, you know, we, I think a lot of us can relate to that because even I get that way too. And I have to talk about myself a lot. You know, as a coach, when you're marketing yourself and putting it out there and trying to be more visible, we, we, both have to constantly be talking about who we are and what we're up to. But even sometimes I trip over my words, I stumble, and I will find myself saying, oh, this is not my favorite part of what I do is just talking about myself. So I think we can all relate to that. But tell us a little bit about the approach you take to helping your clients build their confidence. 
Yeah, so great question. I really think confidence has, a, confidence has a few different parts. So one is your body. You know, we hold a lot in our body. We hold stress in our body. We hold worry in our body. And we can use our body to feel more confident. We can use our body to feel more powerful. And maybe your, your listeners know about Amy Cuddy and power posing, if you've talked about that mm -hmm. before with people. I always say to people, look, sports figures don't just rush onto the field and start playing. They prepare physically. They prepare psychologically. They prepare emotionally. Same thing with women. Whenever you're going out and doing something that feels a little bit brave for you, you absolutely get to prepare. And one way is to power pose, to hold your body in a really confident position. Mm -hmm. Always makes people feel more empowered. I have clients who say to me like, oh my God, I am a devotee of power posing. Mm -hmm. They are so struck by the power of power posing. And Deb, you just did the pose. So for those of you who are listening, what you don't know, and I forgot to mention at the beginning yeah. was that Deb and I are actually recording this via Zoom. So we can see each other. And while she was talking about power posing, she <laughs> did a couple of the poses, which I'm familiar with. But for the benefit of those who are listening, yeah. describe for them what you did so that they can recreate it if ever sure. they're finding themselves in a situation where they need to build some quick confidence before going into maybe a, a challenging situation. Absolutely. Power posing is about standing in a confident body position. Some people call it the superwoman pose or the superman pose or even the starfish pose. When I'm teaching people to do it, and I actually have my clients do it over the phone so they can't see what I'm doing. I talk them through it. I always start with the feet. Feet on the ground, feeling really grounded, feel the energy of the earth supporting you. And then you imagine the strength coming up through your feet, through your legs, to your torso, and then your hands can be outstretched straight up in the air or straight out to the side or on your hips. I personally like to put them on my hips. That feels more powerful to me. But some people like to put their arms straight out, hence why they call it the starfish pose because you're looking like a starfish. <laughs> you make sure your shoulders are back. You make sure your chin is up. And then the most important thing is to breathe. Gosh, how many times do we just stop breathing when we get anxious? Our breathing gets very shallow and we stop breathing. So, so important to take a few really deep breaths while you're standing like that. And I encourage everyone to try it. It immediately makes you feel more powerful, like you can tackle something, like you're ready to go. Um, much, much more empowering than showing up, say, for example, with your arms crossed or your legs crossed or your shoulders hunched in. We call that a low power pose. Position. When you're trying to get smaller. Yes. And not no. be seen, right? No, right. And we don't. We, we, we want to be seen. We're awesome. We have things to say and an impact to have. So that's one big piece of confidence. The second big piece of confidence is recognizing where you are putting your attention in terms of your thinking. Because how many times do we think to myself, our, ourselves, oh, I can't do that, or I'm not a that person, or I'm not good at that. And we put attention to those thoughts that reinforce what we don't know and can't do. And so instead, I make a conscious effort to have people train themselves to have their thoughts go to that place of what they can do and what they have done in the past and what they're willing to try. We get to prime our thoughts to that place of positivity. And that helps build our confidence. And if you pair the positive thoughts with the positive body, wow. <laughs> I have to That's share this. Instant, I'm, confident, instant, instant confidence booster. I'm laughing because it, it, it also um, 
it helps in another respect too, like sometimes to just relax and take on the day because I actually just had the thought this morning because um, I noticed I was doing this routine lately where one of the first things I would do in the morning would be just to take deep breaths and relax and bring my shoulders down because I would wake up all yeah. tense and geared up. And I thought that was so interesting because you think like, oh, when you wake up in the morning, you're so relaxed and refreshed. And I don't have that experience. I have the experience of waking up like I'm primed and ready for something to attack me <laughs> out of the closet or something. And I realized that like, wow, I have this practice of just breathing and letting my shoulders drop and letting my whole body relax first thing in the morning. And then I tell myself, and I got this from a podcast I was listening to recently, like at the, it's, it's um, really good practice in the morning to just say, today's going to be a really good day. And at the end of the day to say, today was a really good day. And that really helps me get out of that, which is so bizarre, fight or flight mode that I'm in right upon waking up in the morning. You know, I think it's just because I'm geared up and ready to take on the day, but that's not how I want to approach my day. I want to approach the day more calm, relaxed, focused. And so it's so funny that we're talking about this now because I was just having the conscious thoughts oh. that I have like been paying attention to my body language first thing in the morning, as well as where my thoughts go. So this is so interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what comes to mind, just to build on what you said, is one of the most effective things we can do to short circuit those feelings of neg negativity is to go to gratitude. And that, so a lot of people um, have started having gratitude practices, which means searching your world for what you're grateful for and acknowledging it by writing or by saying it out loud. And that's the really powerful thing is you cannot be completely stressed and be completely grateful at the same time. Your brain can't do it. So I might say, if you were my client, I might say, wow, that's really interesting that you noticed that you're really stressed in the morning. I love your mantra. In addition to that, do two things you're grateful for every morning, what you're deeply grateful for. And then maybe two things at night that you're grateful for and see what you notice. See if you notice if it has an effect on your thinking. But gratitude is so powerful. It changes our brain. It can short circuit negativity. I love that you ask for two. Because two feels very doable, very simple. And, you know, because there are some practices out there that say list 50 things that you're grateful for. And the intention really is to stretch you and push you to realize that you have so much to be grateful for. But that can feel agonizing first thing in the morning. But the fact that, like, just to shift your mind, just to shift your focus, pick two things that you're grateful for just to have your brain chemistry change yeah. a little bit. That's amazing. Deb, do you have any other um, simple practices that you give to your clients to help them? <laughs> and I'm asking for myself too, to, you know, just calm down, you know, yeah. not that, not that being amped up is such a bad thing because I am a person of action. I'm a go-getter, that sort of thing. But like I said, sometimes like if I'm on autopilot for too long, like at the end of the day, I, I will have the thought of like, wow, that's not how I wanted to go about my day. I, I felt, it felt very chaotic, even though I'm happy I was productive. I got a lot done, but I don't want to live in chaos. I want to live in more calm. So what else do you recommend to your clients to help them, you know, bring that experience into their life? To bring calm. Absolutely. It really starts with being aware. 
being aware of how our thoughts are, being aware of how our body is, because we can't change anything until we know what's going on. I always say we can't know where we're going until, we're, until we know where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And so if you find yourself stressed out, if you find yourself tense or anxious or feeling hopeless about something, the most effective thing you can do is actually name how you're feeling, to name the emotions. And this relates to what's going on in our brain. So I'll do like a one minute of neuroscience just to give this some context. I was hoping you would go there. And if you weren't going okay. to, I was like, thank you there. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, we get, when we get triggered by something, when we get really stressed out by something, Uh, part of our brain called the amygdala takes over. There's this term that is coined by researcher Daniel Goleman, amygdala hijack. Amygdala hijack, which means that this part of our brain called the amygdala, that's part of the limbic system, that uh, is part of that older brain, the reptilian brain, that gets activated by emotion, it gets activated. And at the same time that's happening, the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain behind our forehead, that does our higher level thinking, Mm -hmm. that goes essentially offline. You can think the amygdala goes online, prefrontal cortex offline, and we're not thinking effectively. So here's the thing. When you get stressed out, your amygdala is just acting. That's when you're emotional, like, oh, my God, and you're sending your emails or you're yelling or you're doing whatever you're doing. To, To bring in the awareness and to name the emotions you're feeling is something that can only be done by your prefrontal cortex. It can't be done by your amygdala. That's why if you're having this emotion to sit and to notice and go, huh, wow, I have a lot of stress coursing through my body. I am really, really anxious about something. And maybe I'm really lonely too. Or maybe there's some sadness underlying it. What, what is there? It's usually more than just one emotion. We say maybe we're frustrated, but what's really under that? Maybe we feel let down by somebody. Maybe we feel very self-righteous. Maybe we feel despair. To name those emotions is a really quick way to calm your brain down. That's a good one. I love that. And I'm also a leadership and executive coach. And what I say to my clients typically, because I work with high performers, the type A, the driven, the go-getters, that sort of thing. And with Any challenge that they're faced with, whenever they're not happy with what's going on and the results that they're getting, it typically always comes back to self-awareness. So I love that you're giving us information that can help us like stop in the moment and bring awareness to it. And as women, a lot of what's going on in the multitasking has to do with crosstalk. That goes in our brains as well. And there's a lot of argument out there right now around you have to be focused. No, you need to multitask. And I can see benefits of both. There are some times where I really want to focus on one thing. And then there are some times where I feel very productive. I call it puttering. Like I do whatever I want to do in the moment. And if I get a, if I have a squirrel moment and it takes me over to do some other task, I'm fine with that because that's how I set up my day. And I find at the end of those days, I'm highly productive. So I've just rambled a lot at you. So what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, here's, here's what it made me think of. That Again, I'm going to talk neuroscience a little bit. We have networks in our brain. And there's two networks that you're making me think about. And one is called the default mode network. 
It's our default network. It's how we are when we're not on task. And it's like that squirrel thing, that dreaming network. Oh, your attention gets caught over here. Oh, I'm going over here. It's that, that dreaming, like your mind's just wandering. We have a different network called the task positive network, which is totally separate. And that is very much when you're on task. Okay, here's what I need to do. I need to do X, Y, Z. I need to do this versus like, and to be an effective leader, you need to be able to integrate both networks. To really, to think effectively, you absolutely get to go back and forth between the task positive network, I'm on task, here's what's happening, and then go back to that big picture, what's really important here, dreaming, letting your mind go. And then when that gets a little stagnant, then you go back to the task positive network. So I actually hear that you're doing that, you're doing that naturally, and that's a good thing. It means you're using your brain, you're using both networks in your brain. So that's, that's what I would say to that, is to bring in, I bring in education so that people understand a little bit differently what they're doing and actually feel really proud. Like, oh, look at that. I'm using both my networks. I'm thinking effectively. Awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's good to know that, um, you know, because sometimes we make ourselves wrong about what we're doing, like what strategies we're utilizing, what approach we're utilizing. And there are times, even though focus has been like the word of the day for the past, it seems like five years, there's sometimes where I, you know, did get this feeling like, am I so focused on this project that I'm letting everything else go? Because you can have this sense, like, you know, you think of the times when at work or in your business, like it got really busy and you needed to focus on one particular thing. I think about like that time period right before I was launching my book, like long days focusing on nothing but the book. And I had to let go of any extra networking or reaching out to friends and all of this other stuff, like a lot of things I felt. And it was heading right into the holidays, which was good for me because I felt like, okay, now I can reconnect with a lot of people like very easily and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I still was left with that feeling like, okay, focus is good, but not all the time and not to the exclusion of all else. There did, it did seem that it was right and good to what that's so judgmental, but it did seem appropriate to kind of shift gears every now and again to focus and then go to kind of like what, what I'm thinking of is, um, I think of focus as being like really in the weeds, like tunnel visioned, not looking at anything. But then there are times where you have to take a step back and see the big picture to make yeah. sure that what you're doing is appropriate to the long-term goals yeah. that you have. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing is, it's interesting because people throw, like you said, people throw around words like that, like focus, or I want to be efficient, or I want to be organized. And I always really try to get specific. Well, what does that mean for you? You and I could both say focus is important to us, but what does that really mean? And what are the components? And I find that when you break things down into the components, then people feel like, oh, okay, I can put attention to this because we're talking about something specific. Versus saying, I just want to be more focused. Well, what does that mean? How are you going to know that you're more focused? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one is, is kind of a little off topic, but it just came to me. So I'm going to ask it. I think as coaches, especially if we've been doing this for a number of years, we've all had that experience where with our clients, we see a trend. 
right? And there's an aha moment. And we, we hit upon something that we hadn't seen before. We're like, oh my goodness, I can utilize this in my business. Have you had any of those moments where like, especially when you get niched with your clients, you're like, I know these women, I understand them. And it sounds like we have clients who are similar to one another. So I know whatever you can share will be very beneficial to those who are listening. So have you come across any um, trends and ahas in your business? that you've utilized for your clients? Yes. I love, well, you love your clients. I love my clients. Are women awesome? I just want to say that. Women are so awesome. I call my clients rock stars because even if they don't recognize it, they're just so amazing. Yeah. Um, and what I see is that, that with everything going on in the world, it's hard for people to feel like they are on a path. Because there's so many competing, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I? Their attention can be grabbed by so many different directions that um, people want reassurance that they're on their path, whether it's a path to a new job, whether it's a path to more leadership, a path to more balance at home, better relationship with your kids. So I find that that's, that's usually what people are wanting and needing. And once they realize that they have control over their life, they're creating their life, they're on their path, that it's almost like they can go, oh, and they can take a deep breath and go, okay, now I know where I'm going. But it's that initial, like, where am I going? Because am I, am I focusing at work? Am I focusing at home? Am I, like, where am I going, right? Mm -hmm. That question. Yeah. And is there anything you do to help your clients get to that place where, cause like oftentimes, like I have exercises, I take my clients through around personal yeah. mission and life purpose. Yeah. And before they start doing it, there's very much like, I've never been able to identify yeah. my life purpose. It's almost like there's a frustration. Like we all should know it by a certain age. Yeah. So how do you guide your clients to at least finding this, the beginning of the path? Yeah, yeah. I have two different ways. So one is I love to do mind mapping. If you've ever done mind mapping, which is uh, a different form of a to-do list. It just basically is a big brain dump of everything on your head and it's laid out spatially so that it makes sense and you can see the different paths that you might take. People love mind mapping. I do that. The other thing I do is really simple. I have people take a piece of paper and on the left-hand side of the paper, it's where you are now in terms of your work, your relationships, your health, whatever it is, the different parts of your life. And then on the other side, where are you going? And then the middle is, well, how are you going to get there? What's the first baby step you need to take? And I find that laying everything out in a really simple way, I call it a personal navigation plan, PNP, I just made that up, <laughs> that people say, okay, here's where I am now. I have a hold, I have a handle on this. Here's where I'm going. So if I want to create this healthcare center, for example, I'm going to need to share my message. I'm going to need to enroll doctors. I'm going to need to find a building, for example. Yeah. Um, so it's probably, probably similar to what you do, but just bringing some structure to the chaos. Yeah, it's a, li a little bit different, but I like I like that plan. I'm I'm a huge fan. I was actually just asked today, you know, what's your advice for helping somebody achieve a big goal? And my answer was assess where you are right now right. and then take a baby step. 
and take a baby yeah. step every day, like incremental, you know, because oftentimes, and, and you've probably had this too, because you have advanced degrees and you've been in business for a long time. You know, people who are a little younger, either chronologically or just in terms of their business or education probably say to you, oh my God, I can't believe like how much you've done. I'll never get there. And, you know, when people say that to me, I, I'm just like, whoa, 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 stop. Like I was not here years ago, right? It yeah. start, I started with where I was and made incremental changes. So I love that. And I also have to go back and talk about mind mapping because for those of you who don't love um, outlines or linear lists or task lists, mind mapping is probably something you want to look into because I find, not that it's like black and white, but I find there is some people prefer uh, or they they think linearly, and if that 's the case to do lists and outlines are really great, but there are some people who um What's the opposite term for that, Deb? Um, their minds are more... Spatially, um, holistically. Spatially and holistically. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, mind mapping is the way to go. Because, you know, for me, like, I, I can start a mind map and before long, I'm overwhelmed and it doesn't make sense and there's too much. But I know people who, you know, have avoided outlines and task lists for a long time. They start mind mapping and they go crazy crazy good, like crazy in a good way. They're just like, Oh my God, this makes sense. I can see everything that I need to do. And it's just the way our brains work. So it's like, again, self-awareness, knowing what works for you. So if an outline has never worked for you, check out mind mapping. I think you're going to love it. Okay, Deb, anything else you want to share with those who are listening or you want to say about the work that you do? I'm going to echo, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to echo what you said about baby steps. I wanted to share that because it's such a power. We say that, and sometimes people use the word micro shifts in terms of taking action, micro steps. Um, but really, that's how change happens. Little, little baby steps lead to big changes over time. And I think about my career, and I did other things before becoming a coach. If you had said to me maybe eight years ago, hey, in eight years, you're going to have this successful coaching business. You're going to work with these women, empower them. I would have said, you're crazy. What are you talking about? What, what does coaching even mean? I don't even know what it means. And I think back to the baby steps. of The first step was hearing about someone who's a coach. The baby step was reaching out to her, to going to her place and to talking to her, to, to signing up for that first weekend. So I just really want to reiterate that change is absolutely possible. It happens in baby steps. And the last idea that I always share with clients is that we have agency over our lives. The truth is we are creating our lives every day who we, by who we talk to, how we move our bodies, what we eat, what we think. And a lot of times we don't recognize that. We feel passive. We feel reactive, like things are happening to us. And I think the biggest uh, work I do is helping people take charge of their life and realize that even with constraints, even with kids and dogs and, you know, lawns that need to be mowed and all of that stuff, you still get to create your life. And I think that's sort of the hope that I, that's what I hope to leave people with, this idea that it's your life and you get to create it. Um, so my business, I work with individuals by phone. My clients are all over the country, even though I, even the local ones I work with by phone. And I, I love what I do. It's very purposeful for me. And I love helping people find their purpose, whether it's a new career or a new leadership role or more balance in life. 
And uh, yeah, and I always offer complimentary conversation so people can learn more about my style because every coach is different. Every coach has her or his own style. So nice. thank you. I love it. Deb, thank you so much for, you know, taking time out of your day to talk to us. I love brain science. I love hearing about how that impacts what we do, how we do it. Um, and I think you've empowered us to be a little more self-aware so we can take those incremental actions that will take us through the changes we need to make to get where we want to go. I think that really kind of sums up everything you did for us today. So, so appreciate you. You're so welcome. I appreciate you. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.